0: is one of those incredible things. Now, is there anybody in here that would just say, you know, my prayer life is 100% perfect, so I'll just dismiss myself and I can leave now? Nobody? Nobody. You know, Isn't it amazing because we, we talk about prayer, we pray, um, we hear lessons on prayer, but it's one of those things that you know, many of us, it's a mystery. We don't fully understand it. We don't know exactly how to do it. We don't necessarily know when we do it wrong. You know, it's just one of those things that kind of continually unfolds as we grow and mature in our faith and our walk with the Lord. Um, but praying is one of those those topics that we just never feel like we've totally arrived. You know, it's always a journey. Um, and if you've walked with the Lord for years, you know that sometimes you feel like your 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 quality prayer life is really good. And then sometimes you feel like, you know, I just I just don't feel like I'm connecting like I should, or did, or have in the past. You know, there's just this kind of this 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 wave of good days and bad days, of strength and weakness, and it's just kind of the nature of our prayer life, and it's just a reality of who. We are as people, and I think just that it, it's it. I'm gonna get this chair out of the way. It's just not working. Um, it's just kind of that reality that we've never arrived. There's always something new. There's always new challenges, and it's a continual search for understanding um, what it is to pray and to pray well. So as we begin to discuss the Lord's Prayer. Um, There's several things that I want. I think that it'd be good for us to preference beforehand. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 11, He says, After this manner, therefore, pray you, Our Father. Everybody know the Lord's Prayer? Yes. Could we recite it together? Let's do it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as day. give us day and our daily bread, and, and us our trespasses, as we those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but evil, for thine is thine is the kingdom, the power, and the and glory forever, and, all and, all ever. Ever. and ever. Very good! Give yourself a hand. That was excellent. I've walked into hospital rooms on more than one occasion, and uh, had people ask me on the fly, "Hey, could you could you just quote the Lord's Prayer to me?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Uh, and and when you are put on the spot like that, it's even a little more challenging to remember it. But some people think that the Lord's Prayer is simply given to us to recite. You know, some people think that we just we just say it. I would like to say that my understanding is that. Uh, Jesus gave this to his disciples as an example Uh, not as something to recite and one of the things that we know is that the Lord's Prayer is both in Luke and in Matthew and it's not identical which would tell us something about the fact that if if it was going to be recited you'd think that Jesus would have said it the same both times right but it's not and we'll get more into that in a minute but it's a marvelous pattern for us it's a pattern for us of how to pray and in Roughly 66 words, Jesus does something incredible in establishing a pattern of how we, as his Christ followers, are to pray. Uh, one of the things we know is, is Paul in Thessalonians says this. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you pray without ceasing pray without ceasing so an incredible concept of praying without ceasing and when paul gives us that and and he understood jesus the you know the lord's prayer and then this idea of praying without ceasing said, understand that this this praying is a constant communion with our heavenly father you know there's not like okay, I'm going to pray in these five minutes so that I go through the rest of my day and I forget about talking to Jesus. No, it's a continual dialogue. And I really believe that as I have grown in my relationship with the Lord, I understand more and more what Paul meant when he says, pray without ceasing. Because now, regularly as I go through my day, God will trigger, you know, that, just that constant continual communion with the Father. It's not just in the morning. Some people think, oh, you just pray in the morning before you start your day. No, it's a continual dialogue with our Heavenly Father. You know, God is compl- continually speaking to our hearts. We're continually talking to Him. And so it's its different than what some people, as a, maybe as an immature believer, as a, as a new believer, and you think that, you know, teach me to pray. I don't know how to pray. And we think of it as an isolated moment in time versus... As Paul talks about, to pray without ceasing. So, before we look at, in depth at the Lord's Prayer, uh, I, I want to summarize this whole idea. You know, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is a part of this whole Jesus speaking to his disciples, giving us kind of a standard of behavior. And he, one of the things he's doing is he's speaking to an audience understanding that they've gotten misaligned in several areas of their their disciplines, of their life. Um, It's a part of a larger Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon from 5 to 7, and Jesus specifically addresses giving and fasting and praying. And when Jesus is addressing these in 5, 6, and 7, he's basically saying, your giving is wrong, you're not doing it right, your fasting is wrong, you're not doing it right. And your praying is wrong, you're not doing it right. Now he's speaking to the Jews and Jewish leaders. He's, he's speaking words of counsel to them, educating them, trying to encourage them in the right way to do it. But when he speaks about prayer, he goes long-winded. You know, the other two are just kind of there, but prayer is, he, he really dwells on prayer and what it means to pray the correct way. The key point is cha- Jesus challenging the Jews, the Jewish leaders specifically of his day. And he's saying, in effect, your prayers, just like you're giving and just like you're fasting, are substandard. Now, what's happened to the Jewish leaders? You know, this, this, the, the influence of the leadership of those that have been thrust in charge to lead the religious culture of their day, they have gotten this kind of uh, authority in their life and they were seeking to control. And what they did is they took good principles, Old Testament principles, and they started to pervert them, didn't they? They perverted them. They used them for their own good. So when they started talking about giving, all of a sudden that giving got perverted. Does that happen today? Fasting. It can get perverted, can it? Yes. I've had people tell me... I've had people tell me that they're... First of all, when somebody tells me that they're fasting, should they tell me that they're fasting? No. no. And I've had people tell me they're fasting from things that... You shouldn't even have to fast from that. You should just not do it. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be something you're giving up. You should have given it up because it's wrong, morally wrong. I worked with young people for a long time, okay? So, you know, we can wholly miss the whole idea. We can pervert the whole idea of fasting, what it means to fast. We can pervert the idea of giving similarly, can't we? You know, I appreciate I've got this couple in my life that is very much uh, gives to mission, missional causes. And they often will they have through the years often given through me. But they always say, I don't want anyone to know that I have given this. I love that about them. I love that about them because they don't want any credit here on earth. All the glory goes to God. God's using that funds for His glory through them. It's a beautiful thing. But oftentimes, <laughs> you know, those two, giving and fasting, can be very perverted, can't they? Soak in prayer. And we're going to get into that. Um, but the prayer for the Jews in the Old Testament... Um, was a good thing you know we see when what's recorded in the old testament prayer was solid people seeking after the heart of god it wasn't perverted it was wasn't until jesus day when we see and jesus recorded that that the the jewish leaders had perverted it in romans eight twenty six says likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings Too deep for words. It's amazing how Paul says that you know we don't even know what to pray for. We need help in what to pray for, don't we? You know, it it really speaks against an arrogance or cockiness or prideful attitude when it comes to pray praying, because oftentimes we don't know what to pray for. I don't know if uh, this is going to touch anyone in the room. If if it does. Um, I apologize if it's, a, if it's an emotional, sensitive moment, but um, last night after I got home from work I got a call from uh, some members uh, in our church asking me to come to a home. Um, their best friends had just been hit by a car and killed in an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat on the highway, not knowing what I, why I was sitting on the highway, I sat on the highway on State Road 80 for about an hour and a half before I could get to the house. And just asking the Lord to give me the words to say to this family who had just lost a mom and dad. Amen. You ask the Spirit to give you words of counsel, of comfort, of encouragement. You know, it's not easy you know, to, have the, to feel like you are adequate enough to say what someone needs to hear in a moment like that, right? So, these words, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh, I felt weak, inadequate. God, why, why me? You know, but God, you, you are the strength. You are the source of the words of encouragement to them. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I think as we walk with the Lord, as we mature with the Lord, we understand what that looks like and and how that relates to us. Uh, That the Spirit makes intercession for us. When we don't know what to pray or we don't know what to say, the Spirit does. And I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that the Spirit does. Um, So, in studying God's Word, it leads, when we look at, Jesus' prayer life, we can see several things. Um, Essential to our prayer life is an understanding of the Word of God. Did you get that? Essential to our prayer life, and all this is a preface to getting to the Lord's Prayer, but essential to our prayer life is an understanding of the Word of God. Not to be critical, but if you hear somebody pray, and they pray something and it's like, that doesn't align with biblical truth. Well, there's two things. Either they've ignored the truth of God or they don't know the word of God well enough to know what God's word says. So when we pray, should we not align our prayer life with the truth of scripture? It's an obvious yes. So knowing God's word is essential. It's very important to know God's word to have a prayer life knowing God's Word. So studying God's Word is a priority as we learn how to pray. I've heard people say, you know, God, give me strength for the day. Well, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds right. But who is our strength for the day? He is, he is and He's given it to us, right? So maybe it's semantics, maybe it's words. You know, maybe the heart is right, and ultimately, I'm not going to judge that. But As a believer, as a follower of Christ, to know God's word and to know that God has given me strength because he abides in me is important to having the quality of prayer life and to pray as Jesus would want me to pray, to know he is my strength. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me strength. Thank you, God, that you've equipped me for every good work. Does that make sense? Knowing God's word is important. In Jesus' prayer life, we see that he prayed in the morning, he prayed at night, he prayed alone. He prayed with people. You know, he had various means. In 11.1 of Luke, it says, Lord, they said, these disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So what they had observed in Jesus, they wanted to learn. They saw him go away. They saw him you know, go away alone or go away with a couple of his disciples And they're like, what you're doing, we want to know how to do that. We want to learn how to pray like you are praying. It was important to these followers. Jesus' disciples would have understood how the Jewish leaders prayed. That would have been a part of their culture. They certainly would have understood how these Jewish leaders prayed in the synagogue or, or prayed at certain hours in public places to be seen. They would have understood that. But they also would have understood that it didn't appear right, that this religious exercise of praying just did not appear to be the same thing that Jesus was doing. For oftentimes Jesus would slip away in private and pray. So let me give you some historic Jewish prayer perspective. Uh, I came across this through a study of John MacArthur that I was doing, and I just jotted these down. But if you go back to the Old Testament in Psalms 145.18, it says, the Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Psalms 145.18, the Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Historically, Old Testament, the psalmist understood to call on the Lord and to call on him in truth. In Psalms 91 15 said, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. In other words, the word of God revealed that God wanted to hear their prayers, that God wanted to hear their hearts cry. And I believe that the same is true today. No Jew ever doubted the priority of prayer and most jews today if they're a faithful jew they would say the same thing that they believe that god is hearing their prayers jewish teachers went even a step further and they taught a necessity of that constant prayer in their life it kind of goes back to what paul was teaching the thessalonians that to pray constantly to pray continually See, they were trying to teach the people to avoid praying only, only when you get desperate. Now, seasoned group of Wednesday night followers of Jesus that you be in here, your prayer life is probably not one that only gets engaged in desperate moments. But let me throw out the possibility that it gets intensified in desperate moments. Yeah. But the idea is, as we have that continual, ongoing communication, dialogue with our Heavenly Father, that yes, it very much could be ratcheted up by some circumstances that we're going through in our life, but it's it's a natural bridge because of what's going on in our life as well. My wife and I, when we have something going on external in our life that raises the level of anxiety in our life, you think we talk a little more about it? Yeah, it's a little more intense, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a natural part, but it's not the only time I'm talking to my wife about it. I'm not only talking to her when there's a disaster, when there's a catastrophe, when there's something monumental, it's an ongoing dialogue, and that's the way... That God would desire for us to have a relationship with Him as well. In the Mar- MacArthur study, he said there's eight elements. There were eight elements to a Jewish prayer. And I am going to get to the Lord's Prayer, believe me. But I think that it's important. I think it's helpful to understand what Jesus is speaking into, the culture that He's speaking into, in order to understand the Lord's Prayer. So there's eight elements of the Jewish prayer. He said there's number one is to incorporate love and praise. Incorporate love and praise. In Psalms 34, 2, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Incorporate love and praise. Psalms 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Love and praise. Second thing is gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude and thanksgiving. So, so do you think that God wants us to be grateful and to be thankful people? Yes. Yeah. Um, we are so quick to be critical um, complainers, aren't we? You know, I think we really have to fight that in our world because a, a part of our culture is to always see the, the negative and not the, the positive. We have to fight that. You know, we always want to be those that always have some kind of comment, negative comment. To Be grateful. You know, there's always something to be thankful for. Always something to be thankful for. Thanksgiving. Three... A sense of awe and reverence. The part of the Jewish prayer was a sense of awe and reverence. And we see that over and over again in the Old Testament. The Psalms are just filled with a sense of awe and reverence. Four, obedience. A genuine desire. A genuine desire to fall in line with biblical truth. A patent desire to obey God. If you're going to have a quality prayer life, Do you have a heart that longs after aligning your life with the truth of God's word? My tongue will sing of thy word, for thy commandments are right. To understand and to grasp, to believe that God's commandments, God's truths are right. And to align myself with those truths. And so love, praise, gratitude, thanksgiving, and recognition of God's holiness, a desire to please and obey God, are all a part of this Jewish prayer. Also, confession of sin. In Psalm 24, 3-5, it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Wow. Confession of sin, to pour out our heart before God, to let him know of our weakness, the things that we've done wrong. James five sixteen very familiar passage to many of us says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed for the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. The effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There is this, that confessional idea to getting things right and coming to the Lord in our prayer life. Six is unselfishness. Unselfishness. It's interesting. Um, the idea of an unselfish prayer. Now, a lot of us understand that most often prayer lives are filled with a list and we'll get more to get into this more but most often our prayer lives are filled with a list of give me 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 right i want i want i want i want i want right maybe not you guys but you know what i'm saying unselfish prayer unselfish prayer praying for others not self the Jews understood that the prayers were more about the community than about themselves. Think about that for a second. Um, if you have a daughter getting married, anybody here have daughters? You have daughters. You have a daughter getting married, and you've spent a hundred thousand dollars on a wedding. First mistake. It's not out of the question these days, but if you spent a lot of money on a wedding, and you have made the decision with your daughter's blessing, and I mean that you've blessed your daughter, uh, to do an outdoor wedding. And it's in dry season and you're thinking we're good to go we don't have to worry about it raining on my daughter's wedding day it's not going to rain because it's april the 5th and it doesn't rain in florida on april the 5th the water the, the water the weather is always gorgeous it's going to be a high of 78 it's going to be beautiful no worries And you wake up April 5th and it's raining and it rains and it rains and then the pastor shows up and you say, Pastor, can you please pray this rain away? You're like well that's ridiculous no it's not no it's not people do it people have done it is that selfish <laughs> it wasn't a trick question <laughs> you look like i don't know yes it is selfish it's dry season do we need the rain yes could it, we have fires yes See, the Jews understood that prayers were not about selfishness. It wasn't about their greatest need. It was about community. What was good for the whole? And that's so contrary to the challenge that we face as Christ followers in a world that is so self-centered to get beyond what's best for us. God, what's best for the community of believers? Seven. Perseverance, to pray, to be able to persevere, and eight is humility, to pray in humility, recognizing that I am not the ultimate authority that He is, that He is sovereign over all. I shared about the illustration last night, you know, one of the hardest questions a pastor can answer is why, why? You know, in the moment uh, that gets asked, and the reality is, I don't know. You know, I could try to come up with a cute answer, and maybe even some biblical truth. But do you really think in the moment of that deep pain of a family that that's really going to solve anything? They just want to know that God is present, that they're loved. you know. So humility, understanding that God is the one who's powerful. I'm not. I stand in humbleness before the Father. In Luke 22:42, 42, it says, Father, if if you are willing jesus himself says father if you are willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will not my will but yours be done what an act of humility and what an example before us you know we don't know at all you know we see but a tiny glimpse so our prayer life is confined to what we are able to see or to know God sees the whole big picture. The whole big picture, right? I've been mentoring a young man, a high school student who plays high school football. Tomorrow night is his spring football game. He's worked for the past three weeks and he tested positive for COVID. He's asymptomatic, but he can't play in the football game. He's devastated. Devastated. But it's like, I don't know, but God is in control. God is sovereign over all of this. God, not, you, not my will, but yours be done. May you work through each and every circumstance for your glory. For your glory. So, as we turn to Matthew 6, which we are getting there. See, I told you we would. Matthew 6. Jesus confronts this problem of hypocrisy in the in the in the community he's being became it became hypocritical when they talked about giving or fasting or praying there was a hypocrisy that was going on that jesus was speaking into see the prayer the lord's prayer is record, recorded as i said it's recorded in luke and it's also recorded in matthew luke 11 matthew 6 both places but not identically the same in Luke 11 they said teach us to pray they didn't say teach us a prayer so Jesus giving us not a formula not something that we follow like okay we can only say the Lord's prayer and we know this but it's helpful to be reminded that it's a pattern there's uh, there's elements that we need to apply to our prayer life there's and there's all it's also interesting that if if it would have been because some people believe that this is this is the way to pray we'd have to just recite this but nowhere else in the new testament is it recited you'd think that if jesus gave it as the only means of praying that we would see other examples of it in the new testament we don't so this is a model this is a model for prayer that Jesus has given us. All right, jump down and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, starting at verse 5. And Jesus says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, that they may see be seen by men and when you pray you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely, I say to you, they have the reward." So Jesus saw this problem of these Jewish leaders, the hypocrisy of these Jewish leaders praying. Why? Why were they praying? Praise. To be seen by men, right? They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be noted for their prayer life. Jesus identifies the current problem. They loved standing in the synagogue or on the street corners so that people would notice them. Now, nobody prays that way today, right? That was, was, was a hook. Yeah? Yeah, people could still pray to be seen and noticed by men. So what Jesus is saying as a pattern, as an example, is don't pray for the benefit of others. Have you ever been in conversation with somebody, maybe your spouse, and you're speaking to her, but you really... Or, let me change the scenario a little bit. Maybe you're guys in here. I'm a man. All the men. Identify yourself. Okay. All you men some of you didn't raise your hands it's scary okay all you men you're talking to your buddy but your wife is present she's in 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 the conversation and you say something to your buddy that you want your wife to hear like yeah we've gone out to dinner the past four nights i'd love to have a i'd love to have a home cooked meal now, are you really saying it to your buddy? Or are you really saying it to your wife? Who are you trying to get noticed? See, what Jesus is saying is, don't be like those hypocrites that are standing on the street corner or praying in the synagogue to be seen by others. You know, their heart is wrong. They've already had the reward. Whatever, whatever good comes from the impressing other people mode, They've received that reward. They've received it. It's, it. it's good. In Luke 20, verses 46 and 47, it says, Blessed are of the, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honors at feast, who devour widow houses and for the pretense makes long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. It's not about the length of our prayer, is it? Mm -hmm. It's about the heart. Now, prayers can be long, but prayers can be short. If the prayer is directed to the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, and our heart is in alignment with Him, it doesn't matter how long or how short it is. But these Jews wanted to be seen by men. Such prayers are an insult to God because they're really not it's not really about the relationship is it it's about their own personal benefit their own personal good and they have their reward you know whatever reward that is they have it but jesus says for you when you pray go into a room go into a room now There are such things as prayer closets or places that one can go to get away, privacy, quietness, stillness. But the idea here is that you aren't seeking to pray in places to be seen by men where you can impress them. You can pray. I don't believe that Jesus is speaking against public praying. But the heart of the public prayer is a communication with the Heavenly Father and not so that other people will hear. Sometimes, and I've, I've heard this before, um, identified it, you know, sometimes somebody's praying and I'm, I'm sitting listening to the prayer and I'm like, okay, he's teaching. Do I listen, do I, open my, eye? am I, is this a teaching moment or is this a prayer to God? Is it, is, it, is he speaking to me or is this praying? Yeah, I, I don't know because I'm confused. But prayer is a communication between the prayer and our Heavenly Father. Now, could it be a teaching lesson? Yeah, absolutely. There could be moments that it could be very teachable. But if the purpose is trying to teach those that are listening, then it's really not praying. Because praying is to our Heavenly Father. Matthew 6, 6, 7, and 8. You guys are doing great, right? Following me? All right. And when you pray, do not weep, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows that you need before you ask him. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, and I already mentioned this a little bit, it's about not, it's not the volume of our prayers. Some people think if we don't pray for 30 minutes, that's not good enough. Or, uh, you know, when I went to a, I went to a Baptist college, my undergraduate degree is in accounting, but I went to a Baptist college and we'd have these prayer meetings. And sometimes, you know, college kids, you know, we'd get up at 5 30, 6 a.m., we'd meet in the cafeteria and we'd pray for two hours. It was phenomenal, don't get me wrong. But honestly, when I look back on those days, I wonder how much of it was more self glory than God glory. You know, what a sacrifice, man, we got up early. We were there for two hours, praying, sweating, blood. I didn't really see any blood, but you get the point. You know, it's not the volume, it's not the length, it's the heart. It's the heart. When you pray, do not use empty phrases. What does that mean? Empty phrases? Anybody have any empty phrases? That vain repetition of over and over again saying the same thing. We have um, somebody on our cell. I shall, shan't say her name. Um, this says blah, blah, blah a lot, um, you know, and I think that uh, young people tend to do that some too, blah, 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 like, yeah, on and on and on on, you know, just uh, ramble, 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 ramble. Uh, we've through the generations have said different things to say the same thing, basically. But I think that's kind of the vain repetition, you know, over and over and over and over again. You know, you just say the same thing. It's just, you know, that continual, continual thing over and over again. And he says, when you pray, do not use empty phrases or vain repetitions without meaning. Don't blah, 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 blah. You know, say something of meaning that connects your heart with our Heavenly Father. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, Christians' prayers are measured by weight and not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been as short as they are strong. I like that. I like that a lot. See, your father knows. Your father knows what you need before you ever ask him. That really hit me when I was studying. It's like, there's a connection between not needing to pray long, lengthy prayers because our Heavenly Father already knows. He's already got this. He already understands. You know, we're not praying trying to inform Him of anything. Think about it. He knows it all. He is all-knowing. We just are getting our minds in alignment with His will for us. Prayer is not designed to inform God, but to give man a sight of his own situation, his own reality, and to humble his heart and to become before the one that it has the ability to change. Verses 9 through 13. This is the model prayer. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I've broken it down like this the first section is all about God says, our Father in heaven. It's interesting that Jesus, Jesus is saying this. He's teaching his disciples to pray, thus us. And he says, our Father. Our Father in heaven. Not my Father in heaven, but our Father. There's a sense of community, even in the very launching of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which is art in heaven. Our Father, because it's a community of believers, right? Our Father. And it's not just about me. It's not just about my needs, my wants, but it's our Father who art in heaven. We pray to God as Father because He's adopted us as His children. He is our Father. In Ephesians 1, Verses 3 through 6 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for, for adoption to Him as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the heavenly places. He is our Father. If you are a child of His, He is your Father. Collectively, He is our Father, our Father which art in heaven. It's a beautiful thought that we, as a body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, share a Heavenly Father and we come to Him as our Father. This prayer, a focus is on the community. Community. Some people have a hard time thinking of God as their father because they grew up in a situation where their earthly father did not represent a heavenly father well. And so that there's, there's something that they have to get over, there's a hurdle that they have to get over to embrace the our father mentality. And he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Everyone wants to guard his or her own name. It's important to be known, right? It's important to be known. Um, Names are important. They represent who we are. Uh, People used to say, it's funny how people can get the wrong perception of us, isn't it? You know, when I first came uh, to McGregor many, many, many years ago. Um, I, people would say often, oh, you're so good with names. Guess what? I fooled them. You know how I fooled them? Because, de- <laughs> age myself, before cell phones, now I've got a different method, but before cell phones, this is what I would do. On Sunday mornings, I'd walk around, and if I'd meet a new student, as soon as that student would walk away, I'd write down his name in, my, in, in the paper on my Bible. And I'd do something a little about him, you know, because Fort Myers High plays football, whatever. I also, every Monday morning, as a ritual, I would grab our, our called it Sunday school back and then, right, Linda? Sunday school rolls. And I would go through the Sunday school rolls and I would look at every name and I would try to identify the name with a person, a face. And so that next Sunday, people would go, I would meet this kid and I'd say, hey, Tom, oh, you're so good with names. No, I'm really not good. I just am disciplined because your name is important to me. Knowing your name is important to me. Knowing Yahweh's name is important to us. Yahweh knows his children. It should be important to us. So we say, hallowed be your name. How great is your name? How much we reverence your name, right? It's to be honored. It's to be exalted. It's an understanding that God's name is above all names. There is no name greater than our God's. When we think about knowing God, it's essential, it's essential that we know the God of the Bible to say, hallowed be your name. See, in our world, you know, we get exposed to a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, images, articles, ideas, people say all kinds of things about God. But is it the God of scripture? Is it the God of the Bible? Or is it the God of our culture, the God of sports, the God of entertainment, the God of whatever? You know, what God are we talking about? In order to say, hallowed be your name, it's an understanding that we appreciate and understand who God is as revealed in his holy word to us. Hallowed be your name. Reverent respect in awe of the great name of God. It's important to understand how hallowed, Not not a word we use very often, but that idea of reverence is important. Um, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. It's the idea of what's most important. Is it your kingdom here on earth or is it the kingdom yet to come? When you're praying, are you praying with heaven in mind? Are you praying about all of the stuff, the struggles, the challenges of this earth? Your kingdom come. It's the idea I believe that Jesus has given us that there is a kingdom to come. Keep perspective in order. Pray, your kingdom come. It's a big picture idea. It's the big picture. It's the big picture. Your kingdom come means we are to submit to Jesus in our, as our king today, and we should look forward to his second coming. Your kingdom come. Our present-day realities are put in perspective when we think about your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Anybody got a problem? Anybody struggle? Got something going on in their life? You know, something? Okay. Yeah. You think about eternity. It puts your problems in perspective, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done, your will be done. Means that God wants us to desire his will above our will. I just shared in in Luke that Jesus is saying, You know, let this cup pass from me if it be your will. God wants his will to be done, not our will. When we pray, we surrender full control. When we say things like, Father, your will be done. I don't know what you want in this situation. I don't know if you want this job. I don't know if you want me to move. I don't know. I don't know. But God, whatever your will is, may I embrace that. Praying and letting him take control changes our priorities. I also think that it might change our anxieties. Because when we get so invested in knowing exactly what we want and wanting it to the fact of, you know, pursuing all of life with that, when we aren't, in, aren't open-handed and saying, God, your will be done. Your will be done. When we aren't that, then we have this anxiety, this anxiousness in our life because we want to control our will instead of relinquishing and saying, God, your will be done. Your, it's a recognition of of his sovereignty over our life. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. And then it moves from God to man. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man's needs. Jesus is talking about provision, forgiveness, protection, The right kind of prayer will freely bring its own needs to God. This includes the needs of provision. But you notice when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, bread is a very, very common thing in Scripture. Used a lot. Every culture has bread, right? Bread is a known commodity. And Jesus says, give us, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. There's an idea there of of provision, right? Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, give us this day our daily steak. Right? Bread is a basic essential it's not extravagant do you get that you know there's a basic need there when jesus spoke of bread he meant real bread physical bread a sense of daily provision daily provision bread is a worldwide national commodity that all of us have it's mentioned some 286 times in scripture it's a common word Give us this day our daily bread as a declaration of our dependence on God day by day. We are acknowledging that God, our God, is our sustainer and our provider every day. I couldn't help but think of Psalms when it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. And it brings me back to that. You know, it's, God has given us this day this day. God has given us this prayer, this, this, this bread for today. It's that idea of for what we need for the moment. And it's truly about what we need and not our greeds. The example that Jesus used here is really teaching the disciples to pray for their needs, what they need provision, but not a list that so many of us struggle with of all the things that we want. See, needs include our physical needs, water, food, shelter, clothing. Matthew mentions those. Maybe our emotional needs, deliverance, love, belonging, peace, and our spiritual needs. Foundational, Jesus is the bread of life. But to praying for our needs, Versus praying for our wants. And he says, forgive us our debts. What is our debt? Debt is our sin debt, right? It represents that, that, those things that we owe to God because we are fallen and flawed and sinners. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us of our sins. And our sins are many. And they're called debts. God made man... To ultimately live for his glory we are to be a reflection of his grace here on this earth and it's through the forgiveness through the shedding blood of jesus that we come into a right relationship with him and through that right relationship that we reflect his glory here on this earth forgiveness of our debts and then he says lead us not into temptation and temptation is literally a test not always solicitation to do evil but God has promised to keep us away from the testing any greater than we can handle in Corinthians it says that but we shouldn't desire to be tested should we I don't know any student that really wants to be tested I can't wait to go get that SAT year. yeah, you know, we don't desire to be tested unless you studied and prepared and then you don't want you wanted to get it over with lead us not into temptation. God, protect me from falling into a test that I am not able to conquer. And remember that while God does not tempt men to do evil, God does allow his children to pass through periods of testing. If we truly pray, lead us not into temptation, It will be lived out in several ways. And I just jotted down a couple of things that I thought about. Never boast about our own strength. We're not boasting in our own strength. Never desire trials. Don't desire to be put in a position where you're being tested. Never willingly go into temptation. And never lead others into temptation. And then he says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I think this is the great summation that Jesus brings to his disciples. A reminder for them as they pray, the perspective thing again, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever If you skip down to the next verses, which would really kind of move out of the Lord's Prayer, but I think it's important. The next verse, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. It's interesting that Jesus connected those two. He goes through this Lord's Prayer of how to pray. The disciples ask, teach us to pray, and Jesus gives them an example. A standard, ideas, and then he concludes it with forgiveness. I couldn't help but think, as I was preparing for this evening, if there isn't a significant connection between our ability to pray and that relationship that we have with God and an unforgiving spirit. All of us know that are in relationships. It's hard to have a relationship, any quality of a relationship with somebody that you've not forgiven. It's very difficult to do. You can be surface, you can be friends. But to have a quality relationship requires a forgiving spirit. And I think that Jesus might very well have concluded this section by saying, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And there's a restoration, there's an ability to connect in that prayer with our heavenly Father Once our eyes have been enlightened to the enormity of our Savior, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We serve a great big God. God is bigger and beyond. God, your will be done. How can we allow the little things here on this earth to go unforgiven? I think it's through that confession, laying that at the feet of Jesus, coming before him with a clean heart, open hands, embracing that forgiveness, letting go. They were able to come to our hallowed be your name, our Heavenly Father. So, the Lord's Prayer awesome example of how we are to pray. A couple takeaways and then we'll close. No problem reciting the Lord's Prayer. Not surprised that we could recite it together. Doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's a beautiful thing, but it's just an example of how we are to pray. And may we remember that, that it's not about the rote memorization of a prayer but it's about the heart of connecting in a continual relationship and a continual conversation of praying without ceasing as we go about our day in communion with our Heavenly Father. That's what He wants from His children. That's what we want from our kids, isn't it? If you have kids, if you have a significant relationship, you want people, our cell phones today, if I text somebody and they don't text me back, Makes you wonder, right? Makes you wonder about the relationship. Makes you wa- now, there are people, ironically, here in our tech world, um, there are people that get reputations of not texters, right? Have you got those in your life? Oh, come on. You do have them in your life. Please tell me, because I do. Yes. Um, and I understand that there's some people that just don't text. But if you text somebody, you know they're a texter, and they don't text you back. When that communication ceases, immediately you think there's something wrong, right? You know, God wants that continual communication with His children. He wants us to be in that continual, to to pray without ceasing, to pray without ceasing. That's what God wants from His kids. May we learn, may we learn by the example that Jesus gave to us in the Lord's Prayer.